Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today, I thought we'd look in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, which talk about the Word of God. It says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse matters, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in his last day spoken unto us by his Son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, and by whom also he made the worlds. We find out that God is the creator of the world, that the word of God was given by God himself through men who were moved by the Holy Spirit here on earth and wrote his very words that have been passed down to us without error. And so we can be certain that the Bible that we read today is the very word of God. We can trust it, we can rely upon it, and we can put faith in it. And we know that these things are true. When we compare the, the principles that are laid out in the word of God, of who God is, he's a holy God, he's a righteous God, he's a perfect God, but most of all, he is holy. We need to be holy as well. And of course, we're all sinners and we need a savior. And uh, we have a God who loved us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Doug and Linda Wilson. And uh, Doug and Linda have been with Global Outreach Mission for the last couple of years, and we're so thankful for their ministry. Uh, Doug is the uh, director of church planning. And Doug, why don't you uh, tell our audience about uh, training pastors mm-hmm. and to lead their congregations in a, th- in a third world setting? Well, thanks so much for that question. It's uh, very close to our heartbeat as we think about Uh, the years that we served as a pastor in North America, and then we were called to go to England to church plant, we learned a lot of lessons there about uh, the New Testament paradigm of local churches being planted of the people, by the people, for the people, as guided by the Holy Spirit. And we used 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2 as our main theme, that the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So we're actively looking for Paul-Timothy relationships to be able to develop from outside those that are hungry-hearted and capable of being able to train and lead their own people and then to commit that truth and that training and that mentoring and that modeling to them, and then they will in turn uh, teach it to their men and women in their local church setting. And then it'll be what we like to say, church planting on steroids. It's a way of being able to, to guide people 
to care for their own. The old uh, sort of worn-out way of doing missionary work where all the North Americans go and do the work and pay the bills really is not the best way to sustain global missions. Uh, In partnership with those that are led to go forth into foreign cultures as expatriates, uh, we need to go and to equip them to do for themselves. And uh, I think we're, we're really following the New Testament example of Paul, but we're also allowing them the joy of being able to minister to their own people. They know the language, they know the culture, they know the the, the ways, the, the land. Uh, they already have resident visas as a national people of the country. And so we are able to just equip and enable them as a cost savings as well. Yeah, I think that's the way missions are going, and it's certainly the way Global Outreach has gone. I'm so thankful for this philosophy of, of training up the nationals to do the work of the ministry. One thing in missions today is we're never sure how long we're going to be allowed to stay in a country, and sometimes we are expelled, and uh, we want the people who are left behind to the nationals to go ahead and continue on with the ministries that we've begun from North America. So I think that's a real good, uh, a real good philosophy of ministry. Well, Linda's had a role in that as well because she's been able to uh, come as an experienced pastor's wife and an experienced church planner in a cross-cultural setting in England and be able to transfer a lot of those principles to the women and children uh, in the local churches and other cultures. Yes, it's always a challenge to try to package those things in a way that is fitting for the local culture. And sometimes our North American minds don't grasp exactly how others think in other countries like uh, the UK, the United Kingdom, for example. We speak pretty much the same language, but there are a lot of different ways of thinking, and it took a while to try to translate some of the mentoring and discipling philosophies that we had so that they would work with, in my case, the women and children there in England in our ministry, but it was very rewarding to make friends with them and to see them grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord and to to be reaching out to their neighborhoods and their country in ways that only they could do effectively. Yeah, I know you had a very uh, successful ministry. I know the Lord really blessed you and you had a self-sustaining church there when uh, when you left. And we want to recreate that all over the world, actually. So that's one of the reasons that we wanted to hear your philosophy of ministry today. We're so thankful for the privilege that we have to work together. I know Doug is uh, quite the singer. I know that Linda is quite the uh, pianist. And they, they're the ones who produced a CD for us, which was very, very popular. We, we couldn't get enough of them. We had to get a second shipment. And we're so thankful for the gifts and abilities that God has entrusted to you. And I'm so thankful that you have allowed him to guide and direct you and direct you to the fields that are white on the harvest. And you're one of the workers who have gone out and are going out to share the good news to those who have never heard. And so I'm so thankful that you're a, a part of our ministry and we look forward to see how the Lord is going to use you in the future. Well, we're honored to serve in that way and we're thankful for GOM. Yes, indeed we are. Thank you. The Lord bless you. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you're aware, this is a listener-supported program, and we will not be able to continue on the air without the support of our listeners. And we really covet your prayers because we know God answers prayer, and we know that God sustains this ministry. 
not only financially, but also spiritually as we share biblical truths across the airwaves. This month, we're offering a wonderful, wonderful pamphlet entitled Christianity, Cults, and Religions. It's just a wonderful thing. It has all the cults and major religions defined, and how it's defined is who the founders were and the location, what those uh, cults and um, religions believe is who God is and who Jesus is and how to be saved, what happens after death, key writings of those uh, particular cults and religions, and then the other beliefs and practices. It's done in a really nice booklet, and it's done very well. It starts out with the truth is the Bible, and then it goes and compares uh, all these different organizations. It's a very valuable little tool. This is really a good tool, especially when you run into people that have other beliefs, and you can have it quickly defined, and you know how to defend your Christian faith. Also, in the back panel, it has questions that are answered biblically to be able to refute these false doctrines that are being taught all around the world today. To get your copy, you need to write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. I would highly recommend that you write in to get this booklet entitled The Cults of Religions. Thank you very much. Today's message is from the Honorable Ernest C. Manning and is entitled, Faith Once Delivered. Printed copies are available upon request. In our last talk, we discussed what the scriptures teach concerning the imminent personal appearing of Jesus Christ to remove his church from this earth before the predicted Antichrist emerges on the world scene. 
We noted that of all the great future events revealed in the prophetic scriptures, there is none of greater significance to believers in Jesus Christ, and the reasons are obvious. What greater thrill of anticipation could there be than to know that at any moment of any day our sojourn here may be terminated by his summons to a personal rendezvous with him in the clouds of heaven, our bodies instantly transformed and glorified and freed from all imperfections. Here again the clear affirmation of the infallible scriptures. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52, and 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. The appearing of Christ to remove his church is the next great unfulfilled Bible prophecy scheduled to take place. My question to you is, are you ready? When Christ removes his church, will you be among those caught up to meet him in the air, or among those left behind to face the tyranny of the godless Antichrist, and what Christ predicted will be the greatest time of trouble this world has ever known? The answer hinges on your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The scriptures say, He that hath the Son of God has life, eternal life, and will be taken when Christ appears for those who are his. He that hath not the Son hath not life, and will be left behind when Christ removes his church. His appearing will bring to an instantaneous end this great church age of God's mercy and grace, and his offer of forgiveness and reconciliation to all who will receive his Son as their personal Savior. I stress this because I'm so afraid that some of you listening to this broadcast are still putting off a genuine commitment of your life and soul to Jesus Christ. You may be almost persuaded, but unless you go the whole way, you will be left behind at Christ's appearing just as surely as the most ungodly sinner on earth. As the old hymn says, almost cannot avail. Almost is but to fail. Sad, sad the bitter wail. Almost, but lost. Please don't take that terrible risk any longer. Believe and respond to the gospel and know for certain that you've passed from spiritual death to spiritual life, and that you will be among the millions of redeemed caught up to meet the Lord in the air when he removes his church from this earth. If you have any doubts about your salvation, please write us and we'll help you in any way we can. We turn now to the next great cardinal truth, which comprises the faith once delivered unto the saints the literal personal return of Jesus Christ with his church to take over the management of this world and establish his kingdom of universal righteousness and peace on this earth. 
During the interval between the translation of the church and Christ's return with his church to establish his kingdom, a number of great events are predicted to take place. On the earth, the Antichrist will establish his godless world government and impose his ruthless tyranny on all peoples and tongues and nations. In heaven, two great events will take place. First, the translated saints will appear before what the scriptures call the judgment seat of Christ, where their works and lifestyle will be judged. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, We, that is Christians, must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. 1 Corinthians 3.13-15 says, Every man's work shall be made manifest, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. You see, the judgment seat of Christ is a judgment of our works and service, and will determine our future rewards. It has nothing to do with our eternal salvation. That was decided once and forever when we received Christ as our Savior and found shelter under His atoning blood shed for our sins on the cross. The second event will be what the Scriptures speak of as the marriage of the Lamb. In Revelation 19, the Apostle John writes, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. The Apostle Paul says of the church in 2 Corinthians 11 and 2, I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. You see, the church is both Christ's mystical body and his future bride. At the marriage of the Lamb, his body and his bride will be made one eternally. He will then return to this earth with his bride, the church, to set up his millennial kingdom. It will be our privilege to reign with him as his bride. Now let's focus on what will happen when Christ returns. Revelation 19:11-21 says that at his coming, he will destroy the Antichrist and his armies at the great battle of Armageddon. Read the account for yourself in Revelation 19. Revelation 20 tells us that the devil will be bound and cast into the bottomless pit for the duration of Christ's earthly reign. The Old Testament saints will be resurrected from the dead and, as Christ predicted, will come from the north and the south and the east and the west and sit down with Abram and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. The throne of David will be reestablished in Jerusalem, which will become the headquarters from whence Christ will reign over the whole earth. Jeremiah 3.17 says, At that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord. He will regather the dispersed of the tribes of Israel from the Gentile nations among whom they have been scattered. Isaiah 11.11 11 and 12 says, It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations, 
and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. God says to the prophet Jeremiah of Israel's future restoration, Behold, the days come that they shall no more say, The Lord liveth which brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord liveth which brought up and led the seed of the house of Israel out of the north country and from all countries whither I had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. In the prophecy of Amos, chapter 9, verse 14, God says, I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. They shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them. And I will plant them upon their own land, and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land which I have given them, saith the Lord. In that day, God will make a new covenant with his people Israel. We read in Jeremiah 31, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. In Isaiah 60, God describes the results. Violence shall no more be heard in thy land, wasting nor destruction within thy borders. Thou shalt call thy walls salvation, and thy gates praise. The sun shall be no more thy light by day. Neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light, and thy God thy glory. Micah 4, 2-4 says, Many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth from Zion, on the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. But they shall set every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. The whole earth will undergo a complete transformation. Isaiah 35, 1 says, The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad, and the desert shall blossom as a rose. The prophet Amos adds, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him that soweth seed. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the desert shall waters break out, and streams in the desert. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return, and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Even the animals will lose their ferocity. 
In Isaiah 11, 6-9, God says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. And they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There will be a drastic change in social conditions when Christ takes over the management of this earth. The scriptures say, With righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. Isaiah 65 says of Israel, who will be the subjects of Christ's kingdom, they shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. They shall not labor in vain nor bring forth for trouble. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they're yet speaking, I will hear. Surely there's much a much-needed message of encouragement in these firm promises of God that someday Jesus Christ will return with his church and establish the kingdom of heaven on this earth. That someday there will be an end to international strife, an end to war and violence and terrorism, and the threat of nuclear annihilation and of evil of every kind, an end to poverty and want, no more children dying of starvation and disease, no more injustices and inequities, or discrimination or oppression of any kind. You see, friend, evil is not always going to prevail. When Christ returns to reign as King of kings and Lord of lords, girded right with holy might, will overthrow the wrong. And God the Lord will hearken to every plaintive cry and stretch his hand o'er every land in justice by and by. It is important that we know what is required of us. If we would have a part in that golden age of the future, the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God on this earth. I remind you of what Christ said to the religious leader Nicodemus. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. During this present age of God's grace, which will end when Christ appears and removes his church, God is offering you an opportunity to become one of those who will make up the church or body of Christ, who will be translated at his appearing and return with him as his bride when he comes back to set up his millennial kingdom on this earth. Now, the only way you can become a member of his church and body and bride is by a spiritual new birth. But the only way whereby you can be spiritually reborn is by receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Savior during this present age of God's grace. If you've never done so before, I urge you to open your heart and life to Him today while the opportunity still is yours. I trust the message you just heard will be a great blessing to you throughout this week. Here at Canada's National Bible Hour, we're always concerned about those who do listen. We know that many that listen to this broadcast are born again and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But there may be some who have never received Christ as their personal Savior. And to those folks, I'd just like to share that the Bible teaches that of all sin and come short of the glory of God. That means every person that ever lived 
including myself. We've all sinned, and because of that, we need a Savior. And the Bible also says the wages of sin is death. In other words, the payment for your sin is spiritual death, which is separated from God, but also means that you're not going to go to heaven. You're going to go to the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, according to the word of God. And so the gospel is very clear. The Lord Jesus Christ is God. He left the glories of heaven and and took on flesh. He was a God-man. Jesus bore our sins in his own body as he hung on the tree. He took our place. He took our hell. He died, and he rose again on the third day. And the Bible says that through grace, by grace, through faith, that you're saved. So you need to exercise faith. You need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches you will be saved if you're sincere. To order your copy of the Cults and Religions, please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also visit us on the web at www.missiongo.org. And please remember us in your prayers, and I trust that God will continue to bless you throughout this next week.